Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today is Friday, January 22nd. Stocks are down, U.S. home sales are up to a 14-year high, and we're focused on clearing the vaccination bottleneck. President Biden has said that getting Americans vaccinated for COVID-19 is his administration's top priority, following an initial rollout that's been beset by organizational, logistical, and technical glitches. As of right now, the official numbers are 15.1 million Americans vaccinated, which works out to around 4.6% of the total population and 13.2% of the prioritized population, namely healthcare workers and seniors. All of that's obviously well shy of the 20 million vaccinations the Trump administration had promised by the end of December, although things have improved somewhat recently, with Biden pledging to hit 1 million for each of the next 100 days. But it doesn't appear that the public sector alone is going to get this done. And there's probably no better example of that than Los Angeles, the country's second most populous city, which has been absolutely hammered by the pandemic, but where vaccines might as well have been molasses. So two weeks ago, the city turned to a San Francisco-based healthcare startup called Carbon Health, which had developed its own vaccination software covering everything from scheduling to waitlisting to clinical pre-screening to insurance taking. And just one day later, Carbon Health system was in place and its people in position in the Dodger Stadium parking lot, where LA belatedly set up a mass vaccination site. I spoke with Carbon Health's co-founder and CEO, Aaron Bali, earlier this week for a piece at Axios.com. And today, want to dig in a little bit deeper, so I am pleased to be joined by Aaron Bali. So, Aaron, let's start here. When did you and Carbon Health first start building this software suite that would work specifically for kind of mass vaccinations? So, us starting to build was December. I think December 15 is when we kicked off the project. So, all of our teams worked the entire holiday season on it. Uh, but actually, if you look at it, uh, in July of last year, I had sent a tweet storm sa- saying, we need to start preparing for vaccines from today. And vaccinating 300 million people is going to be four or five times the total healthcare access interaction we do then compared to last year. So I urged uh, the government to start preparing for it. We even tried to reach out to the men over help, but uh, we did not understand what the problem was until, until mid-December. So when you say you didn't understand what the problem was, Was the problem essentially the same piece of software that most or at least a lot of states and local governments were using? Was that the problem you identified in mid-December? So I think the the first problem which was unclear was whether the government would come with a centralized system to manage the whole process. I think the assumption that everybody else was that either state governments or local federal governments would do it. But then what I was hearing that they were going to expect in the large pharmacy chains to handle the entire process. That's really, I think they, they just assumed I give it to CVS and Walgreens and they, they, they can do the entire thing. And those companies thought uh, they gave uh, that there were numbers coming out of them. And, and right now we have 150 million doses behind the uh, assumptions. And I think the other part of the problem, which we did not know, not know, was that because you have to monitor patients for 15 to 30 minutes, now it's obvious that the, the main constraint is physical space, which means it's not really efficient to do the vaccination in existing physical locations, uh, you kind of need more like open air, larger uh, spaces. That kind of changed the deal because we were assuming that we put up pop-up clinics everywhere in the, in the country and those would, be, would become the primary access points. But then we realized like that those physical locations did not work well. 
Right, which is different, even unlike you know the testing issue earlier in the year or early last year, you get the test and then you go away. You don't have to stick around. When you and I spoke earlier this week for the print story I did, you talked about how when you finally looked at the prep mod system, which is what was being used in a lot of places in California and in many states across the country, you looked at it and thought, oh, this is going to break. Why did you think it was going to break? First of all, it's had the mistake everybody makes, which is they focus on the first problem, which is registering patients. And it did not have the 10 next steps after that. So it was workflow was going to break. And we know this because we are, we do high frequency healthcare services. And the second is working on single servers and like, it's just also not going to technologically scale. That was also very obvious. And even in Los Angeles, I think after a couple thousand schedules per day, it was slowing down. And if you are slowing down at that type of load, you're not going to be able to handle bigger, bigger loads. Is that something that you would have thought that at least state governments, local governments would have started kind of load testing, preparing for? I mean, we all remember the healthcare.gov situation when Obamacare originally rolled out. How, from your perspective, was that problem not foreseen? I actually don't blame the local city county governments because nobody told them that they would have to do this themselves. It was actually put on their their table, probably like, like zero warnings the assumption was that like all this tech i mean here's the thing like if you're a city governor like this problem is obvious from nine months ago you'd assume there's a federal government system coming to deliver all those vaccines right so registration would be centralized so nobody told them it was going to be their problem and they got caught really unprepared because it was you have to administer this vaccine and here's a one pager from cdc about how you should be prioritizing patients that was literally the prep uh, given to them so i don't blame them honestly they are doing the best they can in this super limited time frame. So you and Carbon Health in the city of Los Angeles help step into the breach. You're kind of running a lot of the back end and even some of the front end at the big Dodger Stadium vaccination site where thousands of people are going through a day. Given that we have a new administration, the Biden administration has talked a little bit more about kind of a, a top down plan. Do you view what you're doing right now as the way in LA and in other places vaccinations will be done until we're done vaccinating? Or do you view yourself as a bridge to whatever the Biden administration comes up with? I really appreciate their intent to centralize this, but I don't think there's enough time to centralize this in the county level because you have to work with so many small providers here and there. Uh, so there might be some centralized registration process coming in the next couple of months, but the actual workflow is the heavy part. That's what like really carbon does. And that has to be done in city by city. I don't think you can deploy this across the board. And we'll be in touch with them. And I think there are people from the administration or uh, like, I mean, they're talking to a lot of different companies whether, to see whether they can help, but I don't see it as a replacement. It's just the federal level planning and site level. How do you check in the patient? How do you bookmark them? How do you report it? That's, that's, those are different problems. You mentioned to me that you're in talks with other government officials, local state government officials in other places, and said to me, one of the things that you're heartened by for you is that you think that the LA experience has helped give you guys a quote unquote playbook for deploying elsewhere. What's one or two of the biggest lessons you've learned from the LA deployment that you would take somewhere else, something maybe you weren't expecting? So number one is they need to think about physical space as a default constraint and design everything around them. Uh, so, and the second one is the workflow has to be as light as humanly possible. Like you, you want to do everything, all the screening data collection ahead of the time, because when you have people in front of computers like registering patients, the whole efficiency breaks. And that software has to be mobile. It has to be something that 
every there are you have 15 registered people each has an ipad walking around doing registration not a centralized physical location to do anything you don't you cannot have a chokehold in uh, for the maximum output and the second one is that you really want to plan connectivity network hardware ahead of the time so when 10,000 people show up in a place with 5G phones, uh, your network really uh, struggles. How do you do that? You, you mentioned to me that you had talked, I think, to Verizon about kind of their emergency network. And when it came to the iPads, called Apple to try to get iPads quickly overnighted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Verizon has a system for emergency like network, which is only for this type of use cases where it doesn't get affected from the rest of the phones in the area. And Apple, I think to their credit, like they put a very senior person to just go warehouse to warehouse to source all the iPads. Uh, I mean, this all happened, I think, like one or two days. And, and I think this type of things, like right now we are designing and building a playbook, which is like a T-minus playbook. Like, first of all, 14 days ago, before you want to start, you need to staff this place. And staffing is still the longest, uh, the biggest lead time. And you have to put the technology systems in place. You need to put the network, hardware, all of this. I think supply management is not necessarily the most complex piece of it, as people think. It's just that all the other high throughput infrastructure is the critical piece. The vaccine itself and availability of the vaccine is an issue. Uh, you've heard it in San Francisco uh, recently. You've heard it in New York where they had to cancel 24,000 appointments. De Blasio said, we just don't have the vaccine to give those people at the time they scheduled for. When you're building your system, how do you talk? How does your system, I guess, talk to the supply chain to make sure that if I sign, I'm in LA and I sign up for an appointment next Thursday, there's actually going to be a vaccine for me next Thursday? LA, at this point, we have actually moved the entire supply already. So we, we hit this problem that there's no more, there's no more availability until we have more, like, they have more vaccines. I would say, so it's essentially multiple constraints. It's not just the vaccine supply, the staffing vaccine, if any of these don't happen. So we have all of these things already booked and in LA, we just, we just hit the limit today. But I would say one of the, there's a disconnect. People say we need more vaccines. Yes, they need more vaccines. But also the mistake a lot of local governments did it, they just took all the first vaccines and gave it to the hospital systems in their area. Like San Francisco had the same thing. But these hospitals are going really slowly. So even though, yes, the city does not have any more vaccine, but the hospitals got a lot of vaccines which they haven't been able to go through yet, right? So it is essentially the legacy health systems are not the best people to be a high-frequency operation. Our experience is that if you can go through the vaccines faster, usually you get more allocation from the state and county. So I think at this point, every city's job is to maximize their throughput so their, their state gives them pride. Because nobody, states do not want to give the vaccines, send vaccines to places which are not going to be able to go through them very fast. Aaron Bali, CEO of Carbon Health, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Dan. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Google parent company Alphabet, which is ending its dream of using a fleet of huge balloons to beam broadband to remote locations. The nine-year-old program was called Loon and had been used to restore high-speed internet after natural disasters like Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, plus non-emergency deployments in places like Kenya. But in the end, Alphabet said it simply couldn't figure out a business model or attract adequate partners. So it popped its own balloon. Today, we are also watching the articles of impeachment against former President Trump, which Chuck Schumer says will be delivered from the House to the Senate on Monday. If convicted, Trump could be barred from again occupying the White House. Oh, and in one more DC development, the Senate Finance Committee this morning approved of Janet Yellen's nomination to be Treasury Secretary by a vote of 26 to nothing. 
expectations are that she could get full Senate approval before the end of day. And finally, a somber note, baseball star Hank Aaron has passed away at the age of 86. When asked about his career and some of the racist vitriol aimed at him while he approached Babe Ruth's record, Aaron said, quote, my motto was always to keep swinging. Whether I was in a slump or feeling badly or having trouble off the field, the only thing to do was keep swinging. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shover's Naomi Shaven. Have a great National Blonde Brownie Day. And we'll be back Monday with another Axios Recap. And if you like this show or any of our shows, please be sure to leave us a rating, stars, write a review. 